Hey there. Welcome to another episode of the Super Review Show's Mixed Bag coming to you live once again from the J Cave and many other caves as well. I'm joined by my two incredible good friends, Bill and Justin. What's going on, guys? Hello, folks. What's going on? And guess what, JT? What's up? We the best podcast. We the best podcast. (laughs) We the best music. DJ Khaled. Anyways. Um. No, no, no. But uh, listen, we're back. That one for a while. Yeah, when, yeah. Um, so we're not. It's currently Tuesday because t- tomorrow night is Wednesday. And I, I for, for those who don't know, just quick, really quick back. Yesterday was Monday. Yesterday was Monday. And the day Sunday, before that was Sunday. And Sunday was my birthday. Um, so uh, we had a wonderful time out in Colorado. I don't know if you follow, follow us on our social media pages, but it was electric out there, if you will. Uh, it was great. And um, but t- the reason why we're doing the show tonight, Tuesday, October 17th, instead of tomorrow, is because my incredible, lovely girlfriend got me two got two tickets for a stand up comedian show with Jerry Seinfeld, Kevin Hart and Amy Schumer on the same bill tomorrow in New York City. So we have to get to wow. that tomorrow. Yeah. So she went all out for that. One. I was like, oh, my God, no way. I started freaking out a little bit. But uh, thank you to her. Appreciate her a lot. Um. But anyways, let's get to it, shall we? Bill, what is tonight's topic? Well, as we are continuing our mixed bag of horrors. Mm, Okay. Um, Unfortunately, Allie is not here again. So it's another sausage fest. Yes. Yes, it is, Bill. How about those bro jobs, man? You know, we're going crazy over here. Oh, my God. Just kidding, everyone. Sorry about that. Dude, go to the doghouse for that one. Okay. Um, anyway, we are civilized human beings here. Yes, we are. And two of us are glasses. We wear glasses, so we are part of the elite class. We show sophistication. But anyway, well, as we continue our mixed bag of horrors, we got a fun one for you tonight. Everybody roots for the heroes, but you know what's always the fun part of the movie? The villains. Yes. The baddies. The villains. The ones you love to hate. Yes. The ones you do love to hate. So our topic for tonight, as the title of our episode suggests, we are doing the top our top five movie villains that we've ever seen on screen. And I'm going to say this. Some of us, we're not going to give you like the more traditional movie villains. Like the ones you see on list. We're going to have a little fun, you know? Oh, yes, baby. Here We're we gonna go. We're going to have some good, wholesome good fun. Yes, sir. Morning. Fun may not be so good or wholesome. But guess what, Justin? Still fun. It's still fun. All right. So, JT, since your birthday was just two days ago, would you like to go first as our fearless leader? Oh, well, the fearless leader would love to go first, truthfully. Uh, yes, I turned 25 on Sunday. Crazy times indeed. You are now in the quarter century club. Uh, yay! <laughs> so happy about that. Welcome um, to the quarter century club. Yes. Um, it gets my, worse from here. It's all downhill from here, right? That's what they say, right? Yeah. That's what they say in Nebraska, right, Bill? That's what the random people in Nebraska known as they. Yes, they say. 
Uh, no, but my first villain. You know, going into this list and going into our discussion, my making this list was difficult. But I have to say, how could you not? There are so many villains over the course of literally about 100 years of cinema. So how could you not go wrong by saying that Lord Voldemort of Harry Potter? Yes, I'm going to it. There are not the actor. Sorry. Lord Voldemort. I may be named. I mean, he is essentially wizard Hitler. So literally, I am a huge Potter head. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We're having some nice fun tonight. Save. I, I've never done pot. I'm just kidding. But no, I, I'm a huge fan of the Harry Potter franchise. It's that one of those reminds fr- me. Top stoner movies coming soon. <laughs> coming to a 420 near you. Yes, maybe Ooh, next year. Near 420. Good idea. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, but Lord Voldemort is... Man, the guy, he was one of the first movie villains I was ever afraid of. Like, just watching it, like, it's like the memes for it are hysterical. But that's, that's the point, though. Like, I, I love this character. I've heard they the, have the yin and the yang of Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort you know, come and go about and stuff. It's, it was the first movie villain I was ever afraid of. Like, I, I saw Goblet of Fire when it came out in theaters in 2005. I saw it in theaters. I was that's like, yeah, I was much younger, of course, but it was seeing that like birth creation scene of Lord Voldemort. Yep, that that was creepy. It was very creepy. It got dark really quick for such like a the the, the, the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That the Harry Potter franchise got dark in general, but like that the fact that like he just got reincarnated through that whole like that was nuts. That I mean, was that was the book where things really did start getting dark. Oh, like the yeah. movies kind of did it in Prisoner of Azkaban a little bit, but Goblet of Fire cemented it. It was crazy. Yeah, it really was cemented by Goblet of Fire. Yeah, but Lord Voldemort is one of those like, you know, those iconic modern day villains in the modern age of cinema, who's just like he, he's so sinister, so scary to be around. And Ralph Fiennes, the guy who played him, did a phenomenal job as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely inspired casting. Um, yes, and definitely an, an iconic villain. Um, he's not on my list, but okay, I yeah. can definitely see him maybe in my top ten. We, yeah, good, Bill. Should I be embarrassed to say I've never watched a Harry Potter movie? No, not everyone has. As long as you watch all the Lord of the Rings movies. All 16 hours of it, right? (laughs) The extended cuts, of course. You're you're forgetting about the extended cuts, Bill. No, I was counting the extended cuts. Were you, though? Because you would have to add another three hours. We're not going to do this, are we? We're not going to. No, no, no. We're not. We're not going to do a commentary on that, are we? Yes, <laughs> we are. We already did one. We got to do the other two. Oh, okay. I feel like I'm going to be out that day. I have a very. You'll have to break out the old Toby. 
I have I have a thing I gotta do. A very important thing. I have to help my very elderly uncle move a piano that day. It's uh, he has to tell me like months notice, so I'm afraid I'll be unfortunately able, unable to do that that day. Oh man! Well, but this is my first pick, though Lord of Voldemort. I mean, getting back on track, of course. Um, we but yes, for the record, though we did do a, a Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring extended edition movie movie commentary. Now we have to do the other two. That we'll work on that. <laughs> We're gonna have Justin over. No, 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 no. That's okay. We'll have to do just, just um, me and Bill then. Um, hold on, guys. Take your time. I'll, I'll probably fall asleep. But yeah, Lord Voldemort, though one of the, one of the most powerful villains in all of the Harry Potter world, or just in general, just so like iconic and so like sinister and evil, like literally just frightening. So that's my first pick. Uh, is Lord Voldemort, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I'm thinking of memes all of a sudden for him. Anyways, uh, okay, let, but be honest, you laughed when he hugged Draco. Yeah, right? I did. Yeah, oh. yeah. Draco. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, Justin, why don't you go next? What's your number five? Okay, so originally, I was gonna choose as my number five the iconic Hans Landa from Die Hard. But then I realized there's someone more evil than Hans in a Die Hard-like movie for a single reason. I'm talking about Jimmy Martinez from Violent Night. I've never seen Violet Night, so. Really? I could have swore I saw it this with you. No, you didn't. How do you say it? Jimmy, what? The one where, uh, um, what's his name? Um, David Harbour plays Santa Claus. Oh, this guy. Okay. And, um, accidentally finds himself. In the middle of a home invasion. Yeah. Uh, I actually, actually, Bill, can you do your number five? Because I need to do something real quick. Okay, I can do that. And we'll get back to my number five when you're done. Yeah, Bill. So, Bill, what do you got? Okay, I have a weird choice. My number five is, I would have originally put him in my top ten, but I've just, I've watched this movie, I've watched this movie twice again recently. I've, like, re-watched it over an amount of years. Yeah. And I just really want to talk about this villain. Sure. And that is Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Oops, sorry. All right. Go ahead. Talk to me. Okay. Bill the Butcher is the head of the Natives Gang of the Five Points, portrayed brilliantly by the great Daniel Day-Lewis. 
what is so okay it, for those of you who haven't seen gangs of new york i'm sorry i gotta give you some spoilers here get um bill the butcher is the leader of the gangs known as the natives and he in the be he is shown in the beginning of the movie fighting with the dead rabbits gang of Irish immigrants, the leader, Priest Valen, played by the great Liam Neeson. And, and in the beginning of the movie, Daniel Day-Lewis, okay, Bill the Butcher, ends up killing Priest Valen, played by played by um, Liam Neeson. And first, I want to say I love that scene, like in the opening when, when Daniel Day, when Bill the Butcher comes over to goes, Valen, I beat you. And he goes, just do it. And he looks to, and Priest Valen looks to his son, Amsterdam, who as an adult is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And he goes, and he goes, son, don't look away. Don't ever look away. And he'll just finish it. And and Bill the Butcher ends up killing him. Right in front of his son, may I ask you? May I add? Right in front of his son. Yikes. And then years later, it shows that he has risen to local prominent power with the help of Boss Tweed of Tammany Hall. Played by... I forgot who he's played by, but okay, I think some of the things that make him a good villain is that some of his traits are very relatable. And I, and when I'm, okay, I don't mean relatable, I mean realistic, because one, the guy is a racist son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. He is a racist son of a bitch. He uses a lot of terms to defy immigrants because this is when like there is this scene when he's first meeting Boss Tweed, and Boss Tweed is like saying, "You know, every day I go down to the docks and get a big, hot, big boiling hot bo pot of soup for the Irish." Okay, and by the way, Boss Tweed's no better. He's not doing it out of the goodness of his heart. He's doing it if you know your history. He's doing it to get their votes. He's doing it to get their votes. Like in the opening scene, this is about tweet boss tweet for one second when they think and Leonardo DiCaprio's character is coming off the boat. Goes what boss tweets out there goes, Welcome to America, son. Your long journey is over. Vote Tammany. And but anyway, he says, Bill the Butcher says, if only I had the guns, Mr. Tweed, I'd shoot every one of them the moment they got off the boat. Yikes. And in that conversation, I don't know what the what the real or the context of was, but this this scene that he said is so chilling. Mm. He goes, when I close my hand, it becomes a fist. Just the way he says it. Like if a normal person said it, like JT, if I said to you, hey JT. When I close my hand, it becomes a fist. She would just say, okay, yeah, and? Yeah. But the way he says it, and, and the way they show him in slow motion, 
And like throughout the movie, he takes Leonardo DiCaprio's character under his wing. And yeah, but you know what? There is sort of like a sympathetic part to him now. Because there is a scene, not knowing that Leonardo DiCaprio is Liam Neeson's son. There's a scene like after someone attempts to kill him. Which I have to admit, that seems cool. Like somebody attempts to kill him and this guy, he's like sitting there. The guy who killed him is like sitting there with rosary beads praying. And he says to Leonardo DiCaprio, what's he saying, boy? And he's like, I think he's making his peace with God. Goes, well, he has to make his peace with me. Oh, well. And yeah, but anyway, when he's recovering from the wound, he tells the story that not knowing that Leonardo DiCaprio, again, is Liam Neeson's son. He says, you know, there was one man who was the most noble man I ever fought. And of course, he's talking about Liam Neeson's character. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I hated to kill him. I killed him right in front of his child. Again, he doesn't know Leonardo DiCaprio is his son. And and he says, after I did it, I couldn't live with myself. So you know what I did? I cut my eye out. He literally cut his eye out. That's disgusting. Oh, they don't show it. Oh, well, still. And no, like there's a scene when he takes a blade. And he hits his eye. He has a glass eye. He has a glass eye. Yeah. And. And it just shows you that this guy has literally no. But this guy literally has no conscience. Okay, he does a little bit. Like he will, he literally kills anyone who stands in his way. Frightening. Like, and, and it's just, in Daniel Day Lewis's performance, I gotta give you some fun facts here. Marty Scorsese actually, because Daniel Day Lewis was retired at the time. Yeah. He actually, Marty Scorsese begged him to come out of retirement. For this one role? Yes. Oh, wow. He begged him to come out of retirement. Wow. And also, here's something interesting. Welcome back, Justin. Glad to be back. Yeah, my pick is Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Ooh, that's a good one. And... I said that he basically has no conscience and kills anyone who stands in his way. Would you agree or disagree if you've seen the movie? Uh, I agree. And did you know, I was just telling JT, Marty Scorsese had to beg Daniel Day-Lewis to come out of retirement. Wow. To play this role. And also, I thought this was interesting. Daniel Day-Lewis actually took a took up took a apprenticeship as a butcher 
in a butcher shop so he can learn how to ha- how to handle the knives and everything. He really w- is dedicated to his craft. How would you feel if you walk in that butcher shop and say, "Hey, yeah, I want to, I, I want a cut of a uh, prime rib." Wait a minute, is that Daniel Day Lewis? But here's the thing: that man is such a chameleon that I, I don't even know if I would know what Daniel Day Lewis actually looks like. Well, it's kind of like with Robert De Niro. Did you know when he was, when he was in, when he was doing for um, Taxi Driver? He yeah, he yeah, he actually worked as a cab driver for a bit. And somebody goes, "Hey, what's wrong, Bob? Bob is um, the movie business going slow?" No, I'm researching a role. Hmm. But um, yeah, he Daniel Day Lewis actually took an apprenticeship at a butcher shop so he can research the role as a butcher. But, but the, yeah, but like I said, he's got no conscience. Except when he felt bad for killing Liam Neeson. You remember that when he says he cut his own eye out. Yeah. Isn't that kind of a sign of a conscience or not really? The closest thing to a conscience I think he had in the movie was during the war he let the other side bury their dead. That's the closest thing. When he said, Priest Valen died a noble death and he should be buried with honor. Yeah, that is the closest thing to a conscience he had. But you don't think cutting out your own eye counts as a conscience? Cutting out your own eye just... It seems to me he's unhinged. Yeah, but you know what the interesting thing before you get back to your pick is he just, like, through most of the movies he could be barbaric, but he could also be very civilized, though, at the same time. Yeah, that's a lot of his roles. Similar to There Will Be, there will be Blood. I mean, I, I, would you laugh if I told you I haven't seen that? I haven't either. Okay, we gotta go watch that now. All right, that's my pick. Number five, Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Justin. And Justin, want to go back to yours for a sec? Sure. So. Which was what again? The the guy Jimmy from, Martinez uh, from Violent Night. And I could have swore, Bill, we saw this together because I remember oh, seeing I this twice. I don't remember seeing it. So I picked him over Hans Gruber. Not because he's a cooler villain or anything like that. I think he is an, a more despicable human being than Hans Gruber is. Because unlike Hans, this guy actually tries to kill Christmas. You heard me right. So a lot of the plot is similar to Die Hard. Um, terrorists who are posing as, I mean, thieves who are posing as, ter- as terrorists who are willing to kill. Um, they break into a uh, 
they break into a uh, rich family's home on Christmas Eve and hold them for ransom for, I think, $200 million that the matriarch has, like, embezzled. Um, that part is pretty much Hans Gruber. But once Santa gets involved, yes, I realize that's as ridiculous as it sounds. Once he gets involved, you realize this guy has a real vendetta against Christmas and actually relishes in the idea of destroying Christmas once and for all for everyone. So, this is Hans Gruber with an extra Christmas-hating vendetta. Just added on as bonus material. Okay. You know, I have not, Justin, I don't think I've seen this with you because I don't think I've seen it. But I've been hearing that this is probably one of the best Christmas action movies since Die Hard. Yep. Now I feel like it, I really need to see it. It's Die Hard, but Christmas. So is Violent Night a Christmas movie? Oh, Violent Night is definitely a Christmas movie. It's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard, and Die Hard was already a Christmas movie. Because Christmas actually has to do with the plot in this movie, I guess. It's fucking Santa Claus. It's John McClane. Oh, we have a visitor. I don't know if you can call me a visitor or not. But... Hey! I guess your sausage party is over. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we were going to bring in anything highly inappropriate. You sure? Justin, cancel the strippers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Guys, <laughs> we're not gonna. They're not refundable, are they? No. All right. But Al, for those of you just joining us, be attacked right off. Oh God, Ali is just joining us. So can we? Yes. Sorry she's about my absence. I I got a lot of schoolwork to deal with, so. All good. All good. We're, I we're, felt we're caught up right. to a point where I can come on tonight. So, yeah, we're counting on our top five movie villains. We just get our number five. Do you have one? Um, All my picks are going to be no particular order because I just oh, had to think about this for the last five good. minutes. But I'm surprised no one has mentioned, the sh- mentioned Jack Torrance from The Shining. He, he's coming up. All right. We'll get to that. We're only on number five. There is no- I, have no, I have no particular order, so just remember that. Yeah. Okay, so Jack Torrance is your first pick. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, the buildup of his character. It is. It, it is crazy. I mean, just again, how would you feel 
being stuck in a hotel for months with a lot of snow with nobody in there except your wife and your kid who I don't know has a I don't know if he has DID at this point he has the shining and the red rum come play with us Danny come play with us but just all that psychoticness But all that psychoticness being built up, it does lead to, it does lead to a lot of psychological trauma. It does. Yeah. It's a point where you just want to go ahead and murder your wife and try to kill your kid too. Although I would also argue that the hotel is the villain in this as well. That's a good point because once you think about it, even Jack is the villain. Once you think about it, he really isn't. Once you think about it, right? And I'm not discounting your pick, Allie. Don't don't take it that way. Of what course. I'm saying this is a man who just totally goes insane. Mm-hmm. And you want to know something, Allie? Justin can confirm this. Stephen King didn't like The Shining, and he didn't. Am I right, Justin? And a big reason for that was Jack. Um, And it's not that it was a bad portrayal or a bad character. It just wasn't Jack from the book, which... I saw what Stephen King wanted for Jack in the book from the miniseries, and... What worked in the on the written page might not have worked on the screen. I'll just put it that way. So mm. Kubrick made the necessary changes. Um, and the movie was better for it. What is your take on that last shot? When he's frozen? No, when he's in the picture frame. Hmm. Who are you asking? Any of us? Uh, mostly Allie. Say that again? What is your opinion on that last shot where he's revealed to be in the picture frame? Mm. He becomes one of the ghosts, I guess. I didn't know that. I didn't see that part at the ending. The guy thought he froze himself to death. Wait, so you you, you didn't know about the, the scene after that? No. Oh, wow. Oops. Spoilers. Sorry. No worries. Jane! But you know what? It just makes sense. He becomes one with the ghosts he's been with at the bar. Yeah, it's it's almost like it was trying to say like he's always been a part of the hotel. Mm-hmm. So it was only a matter of the time that he came back home. Right. Which, yikes. 
And it was kind of creepy to see him again in uh, Doctor Sleep, too. Like, even if it was just him as a ghost. Yes, that was creepy. Now, that I do remember seeing with you, Justin. Listen, I refuse to believe that I saw a movie by myself twice. I saw that movie with somebody. And it wasn't Catherine. What, Doctor Sleep? No. Violent Night? Yes. Hmm. Maybe I did see it twice by myself. I don't know. All right, is that our number five? Yes, so. Number five. All right, number five. Uh, do you want me to go again for number four? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. All right, cool. So one of my favorite movie villains, just in general, of out of any, this might come as a, as, as a surprise, but the more you think about it, it makes you get really like, what's the word? Um, it makes you think. About this one, and I don't know if you would count. I, I would count this as a villain because it got it because it got corrupt in the movie. But Hal nine thousand in two thousand one. Ooh, think about this for a second, right? In two thousand one, a space odyssey. For those you don't know, the computer goes corrupt and kills the members the members of the crew oh. that are in hibernation. And kills one of the, the co-pilots of the crew. And the, the, there's only one guy left. And he has to disconnect the logic circuits from the computer that got corrupt. So it, it's real brilliant sci-fi, but it's also very scary because he kills the people in, 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 in cryogenic hibernation. And he kills the guy here who's played by um Frank Poole, who's played by... um Oh, God. What's his name? Well, I can't think of the actor's name. Anyways. He was in Star Trek for an episode too. Um, this, the fact that the computer went corrupt, and it, it's like it's subtle, but there's no. If you see the movie Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey, and you get to this part in the movie, it's a slow-paced movie. Bear, bear with us, bear with us, everyone. But it's a very scary thing. I mean, Q, another Kubrick thing, right here. You talk about The Shining; he directed this too. Mm. So. It's and it's, you know, you know, not, not to get a little creepy about it, but we talk about AI now in today's world in 2023. We talk about the like computers taking over and stuff like that, the Terminator or whatever. Hal 9000 was AI. He was a computer. So who's to say we don't take note from the past and we actually look forward to the future, but carefully. So I think I think studying this, this scene with Hal 9000 is a good idea. Truthfully, have you guys ever, just Justin, you've seen 2001, right? Um, I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Okay, I, I, I don't think Bill or Ali has, but I've not it, seen it. It's a very, it's a very slow-paced movie, but it, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It just, it just is. Um, it, it's so something so ominous about it. The Kubrick's direction, the pacing of it, it's a work of art. But Hal is the villain in the movie. If you watch the sequel, he like he, he they later fix him up, whatever called. 
in 2010, the year we made contact. They fix him up and they put him back together. It turns out he was corrupt by something else. The plot line's pretty cool. But, yeah, that's my number four is the computer, the AI computer from 2001 A Space Odyssey. I had to bring it up. So, um, Bill, you want to go next or you want Justin to go next? Who wants to go next? Um, you know what? Um, how about Justin, you go next? Okay. Justin, talk to us. Number four. So I really struggle with the placement of, of these next four. It's been all over the place. But ultimately, yeah. I decided on this placement. Number four for me is Thanos. Are you kidding me? I, I actually had Thanos on my list, too. Guess what that means? I know, though. <laughs> One, two, three. We they swiped right. right. Hey, how about that? Who's buying dinner? So, Sorry. It's hard to argue about his merit because the proof is right there. Mm-hmm. Like, you took a villain that we, I'll be honest, we weren't really taking all that seriously. Um, in the buildup, like we were kind of laughing by the time um, they showed him in uh, Age of Ultron in the mid credit scene going, fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah, I remember that. At that point, we, we kind of like were losing interest, arguably in the same way that we we're kind of losing interest of Kang right now. Keep that in mind. Yeah, that is true. I mean, we. The only times we've saw King was in the Loki series, but he should be showing up this season, this coming season. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. And the second time was the new Ant Man movie, which was not all that good. Ooh. but he was good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Once you get into Infinity War, you, you see why they dedicated an entire storyline to this guy in the 90s. Um, this is the scariest kind of villain in that he believes he is in the right. In that he will do whatever it takes to achieve his goals. And he does whatever it takes to wipe out half the universe. Why half? For what balance. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Oh my goodness. So if I had all six Infinity Stones and I could snap my fingers, I could vanish half the universe? Yeah, yes. but you'll probably die because you're a puny human. <laughs> puny god. Sorry. Done! Yeah, because I think what's so interesting about Thanos, Justin, is that you kind of empathize with him. To he, a degree. He wants to bring an infinity war. He's that one you can sympathize with because he wants yes. to balance... To a world where there are limited resources, um, 
fighting, all that. But here's the thing. And this got brought up. Well, I think it got brought up in What If, at least. But um, um, why couldn't he just double the resources? If the Infinity Gauntlet is as powerful as he says he could, why couldn't he create instead of destroy? True. Fair point. Fair mm-hmm. point. But then again, with and all I'm the pretty opportunities, sure that is the point I that T'Challa um, so. as Star Lord made to him in What If? I am ninety percent sure of that. Then he just turned into uh, turned into a college student who just discovered what communism is. Oh my god! Mm. Wait, what do you mean by that? <clears throat> I'll explain it to you later. Yeah, off camera. Yeah, but don't don't ask him to participate in a snapping chorus of the Adams family anytime soon. Da 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 da. Da-da, da-da. I, I swear, I one of these days, honestly, this has been my dream because of this, because of Thanos and the Infinity Wars. I want the Lego Infinity Gauntlet. Right. Yes, yeah. that's all I want. I want that Lego Infinity Gauntlet. So I can say I have it, and I put it together, which means I am inevitable. I'm Iron Man. I mean, I'm and that is another thing that we need to talk about because we just started. We talked about Thanos in Infinity War, who still had hope for the universe. That once everything is said and done, and once the dust is settled, the universe will be all the better for it. In Endgame. A more ruthless Thanos discovers that the dust will never settle, that the universe would never be able to move on, and that his his quest is fruitless and he's better off just wiping out the entire universe and starting anew. Mm. I honestly thought he would have done he should have done that in the first place. This is a disillusioned Thanos. And that is the scariest kind of Thanos. And in the words of Scarlet Witch, Thanos in Infinity War was a merciful Thanos. Mm. This is an angry Thanos. <laughs> Okay, let me ask you guys this. When this happened, which by the way, it has been now a year and a half. It has been now uh, six months since the blip. It's going to be almost six months. Since and the today over. is the day of Tony Stark's sacrifice, might I add. Today? Yes. Today. October. Yep. According to the official MCU timeline. Wow. We look died at for our sins. Wow. Didn't know that. 
But have any of you guys did like the whole thing with the whole would you survive Thanos' snap? No, I didn't do that. You didn't. Did you? I survived. Damn. I survived, people. Here, but here's the thing. It's supposed to be completely random. So how would you really know for certain? <laughs> Everyone's fifty. Except, as Matt Pat pointed out, Thanos himself. Justin, there's only one way to find out. Do it. Oh no. Would you have some? Would you have some? Well, now, then again, the book is over. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've seen what happens when you get blipped. You, you feel weird for five seconds, and you then you just feel like, oh, what, what just happened? Why is everything so weird? Where's my sister? Where's Natasha? Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, anything else for Thanos, guys? I think I'm good. We're good. Justin, I just want to say, God, your your choice makes blows my next choice out of the water. Also my choice, too. But keep in mind, this is my number four. Mine's in no order. Just remember that. I have no order. My number four, I got a little unique one for, for you. Okay. Nurse Ratchet from... Oh. Ooh. You know what's so interesting about someone like her? That she could actually happen? Yes. Because you know what it is? It's like... And I remember when I first... I actually did a review of one flu coke over the cuckoo's nest. Check it out. It's on his channel. Yeah, check it out. What's so interesting about her is she doesn't really use any, she doesn't use weapons. She doesn't kill people. What's so interesting about her, you know what her weapon is? What? Control. Yeah. That's, and because I actually first watched this when I was in a psychology class in high school. You remember those days, Justin, back when we rode bronchosauruses to school. Huh. Um, but anyway, what's so cool, though, what's so interesting is I remember, like, there's that scene when they're trying to vote on something, they're in a meeting, and this one guy's trying to raise his hand. It was, oh, the meeting's over. Doesn't count. Sorry. That is basically a method of control saying, no, I'm in control now. And what, and, and other things that happen is, and other things that happen is, What's so interesting, if you watch the movie, she doesn't really raise her voice. Have you guys ever noticed that? Hmm. Justin, JT, have you guys ever noticed that? She never really yells. She does she never really raises her voice. I haven't noticed I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really judge for that, but I have to see it. Justin? Same. You've never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? That's one that's I really need, it's in the same vein as uh, Schindler's List where I really need to just. Yeah, same here. 
put myself in the right mindset to watch it. And what's really interesting is she exploits the patient's biggest heartbreak. Like this one guy who his fiance reject, who his fiance broke up with him. And she says, Oh, is that when you try to off yourself? So. All right, Justin, JT, since you didn't see it, I guess you don't want me to spoil the ending, do you? I mean, uh, I know what happens. You don't I have to tell me. Either, so. So. But let's just say, but you know, but there was like another part when she's, when this one, when this one patient is saying to her, please don't tell my mom. Be like, your mom and I are good friends. I have to tell her. And then it's like, we don't even know if Nurse Ratchet knows his patient's mom. Yeah. Or if he's just or if she's just using that to exploit his fear. Yeah. Right. And okay, a lot of you be like, oh, she's not like Freddy or Jason or anyone. But what's so cool and so interesting is a lot her weapons are psychological. Freddy and Jason are boogeymen. This is a real kind of yes, because these are kind of people who exist. Yep, they exist, and what they and these type of people exist in the real world. They're people who exploit fears of others. Yeah. So, and yeah, what I, again, what I think is so cool is she very rarely gets upset. She doesn't raise her voice. She just keeps that monotone and that very even keel. Mm -hmm. Which she's basically keeping her poker face, you know what I mean? Yeah. And... Yeah, that's why I and that and Nurse Ratchet is number four on my list because of her psychological terror and control. And no, I haven't seen the Netflix series. I heard it's relatively middling. Hmm. It's very relatively what? Middling. What does that mean? Meh. I should give it a watch though. Okay, I yield. Allie, you got a number four? Me? I was Thanos. Oh, you were Thanos. Oh, so it's my number four? No, it's your number three. Oh, wow. Time is flying. Sorry about that. I'm like, what's going on? Um, Man, so this one might come as a surprise to you guys, but the more you think about it, it's comedically funny. Like it's it's this, this character is comedic, but you hate his guts throughout all three movies, and especially the family line of them. You know where I'm going with this, right? Not really, but go ahead. Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. Ooh, interesting. 
who does the, not hate the person who plays Biff is actually he plays a couple characters on Spongebob he plays Tony Zuko in uh, Batman the Animated Series really? so he went from Biff from yeah. Back to the Future to being a to being a voice actor yeah he you love to hate his guts <sighs> and what's funny is that Thomas F. Wilson's a really nice guy too yeah, I've heard somewhere. Yeah, and I, I'm just I, it, it came on the screen here, but I don't really care. Yes, it was slightly inspired by someone uh, someone who's in, in the controversial media right now. We're not going to talk about it though. Nope, no, yeah. not talking about. Are it. you sure? Because it, it's huge. I mean, it oh, is huge. Is it was it based on a uh, someone Some pr- who held a certain office? Yeah, yeah. we're not, we're not going to talk about it. Not. In legal troubles right now, which we will not mention because we're trying to be away from politics. I know. I, I, I just didn't know who he was based on. That's all. I, I just didn't know who he was based on. Loosely, but yeah, I mean, that's, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I actually didn't know he was based off of the version, version part two. Yes, heavily. Okay, I can see that. You just see it right there. So, I mean, for those you're watching, for those who join us live every week. That's a prime example right there. But anyways, but I mean, come on. Who does not hate Biff Tannen from Back to the Future? What are you looking at, butthead? Why do you make like a tree? And get, get out, out, of out of here. Oh. Especially the first movie. Too. The first movie, he was such a such a dick. I'm surprised no one put the like, I don't know. If we're talking Back to the Future, what about that? I forgot the teacher's name that. Oh, like, Strickland? Strickland. Yeah. That, he's the one. other villain. He, he, he's just, Roman uh, in the history of Hill Valley ever amounts to anything. <laughs> yeah, well, history's going to change. <laughs> Strickland, then the guy of hair? <laughs> I love these movies, too. I mean, it, it's a solid trilogy overall. I mean, it really is. But Biff Tannen, in like the whole Tannen family line and the whole... It's man. You talk about just hating and being afraid. And some in Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah, if you, if you watch that the second one, it is scary to see how. Because if, if, if I'm not gonna go in depth with the storyline, but like you watch the movie, like this guy got a lot of power pretty quick. You know, via yeah. time travel and whatnot. But it's crazy. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go too much in depth. That I mean, I just rewatched Back to the Future Part Two recently with my girlfriend. Nice. She had never seen any of the Back to the Future movies. She had never seen any of them. We watched oh, the wow. first one. We watched the second one. We're gonna watch the third one soon. But yeah, this was like a. She's like, oh my god, Biff Ten. He knows that the third one's a western, right? Yeah, because she, she saw the ending of the second one where like the western part came in. She's like, it's a western. I said, yeah, you, you, I, I liked it and I, I enjoyed it, but just you know. It's hey, look, gotta, I, I like part three too. It's just you kind of need to know that going in that it's gonna be a western <laughs> Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. What kind of name is that, anyways? Um, yeah, Biff Tannen, phenomenal villain or phenomenal just antagonist of the series. It really shows you how creative movies were back then and how much villains could really be. But yeah, Back to the Future, Biff Tannen. Can't get any better than that. Uh, that is my number three. Who's up next? Justin, what do you got? Justin, you're next. Um, so my number three 
this is going to be fun because now we get to splinter off into different iterations. My number three is the Joker. Guess what? I'm yours too. Guess what that means? What? Now, now you see why I asked that question in the chat. So I guess we can both talk about this one, huh? Go yes. for it, guys. Go for it. You know what that means, Justin? Say it with me. One, two, three. We right. Okay. So I think we can all agree that we're excluding um, Jared Leto's iteration. We are excluding that. Oh, okay. <laughs> because even in the ones that he was in, he wasn't really all that villainous. He was more of a distraction. He, he's not the one who wears his top hat and twirls his mustache going along. No, but he should have been. Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, fucking Phoenix. These are the three most acclaimed portrayals of the Joker. Mm. And each one could make the argument that uh, for one of the best villains of all time. Even when he's the protagonist in um, 2019's Joker um, it is very clear that he is a villain protagonist and this is going to be a, a Breaking Bad situation. <laughs> mm. um, you know, um, I still say that um, Jack Nicholson's portrayal is one of the funnest Jack Nicholson performances yeah. to watch in any of his movies. Um, he is very much the classic clown prince of crime. Agreed. Then Heath Ledger got his hands on it. Mm. And just took a turn. Um, it was nihilistic. He was trying to deconstruct the world and make it as ugly as he is just to watch the world burn. Um, And he is probably one of the scariest comic book villains of all time. Didn't Maggie Gyllenhaal said she was terrified? I mean, weren't you me? Mm. That's during that, that one, scene, partner. During that scene, the 
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. And I'll be honest, when I first saw that on in the trailers, I thought the movie would be a little more a little more what? More lighthearted. Uh guys, I, I need to take care of something. Okay, so it looks like I gotta take over, huh? Yep. Okay. Well, I'm in charge. Be afraid. Well, the thing, the thing is, when it comes to the different iterations of the Joker, you have, you know, Jack Nicholson, as Justin said, is the, is more faithful to the comics because people fight over all the time. And this is something that annoys the hell out of me. The comic book purists. Oh my goodness, not those. The we didn't say that in the comic. Mm. But the thing is with when and we're only counting the movie adoration. We're not counting Cesar Romero's in the 1960s Batman series. Okay. Nor are we counting Mark Hamill's in Batman the Animated Series. Mm. Nor are we counting, like right. as Justin said, we are not counting Jared Leto in Suicide Squad. But the the Joker played by Jack Nicholson, I think, was the perfect combination of sinister and sadistic and. And but silly at the same time. Because mm. you had those silly scenes like the the museum scene. Right. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence, doom, doom, doom. Oh, with the trust song? Like no, that? that was a party man, but same one. But same, same one, Prince. Party man, party man, rock the body laugh. Nobody can. Who's regulations? No place in this nation. Party man. Party man. Um. But, and you know, just him saying the most silly random things like, what do you want in life? My face on the $1 bill. <laughs> but if you see like in the beginning when he makes his first appearance... You know, to the mob boss, when he goes, you left me for a woman. A woman! Jack, Jack, maybe we can cut a deal. Jack. <laughs> oh, Jack Nicholson. Jack is dead, my plays. Jack is dead, my friend. From now on, you can call me Joker. And guess what, Justin? What? You can see, I'm a lot happier. <sighs> little song and dance. Yeah, but you know, the type of iteration that we see with Jack Nicholson is more of like the cartoonishly comic book bad guy. Am I right, Dustin? Oh, yeah. And that's kind of the version I prefer. No no offense to anyone who prefers the more grounded version. I just... So wait, not the Heath Ledger, not the Joaquin? Well, Heath Ledger. I like the toys. What can I say? 
Well, Heath Ledger's version, you're right. The guy is basically, the guy is a nihilist. Mm-hmm. Like, for the, the perfect description to describe Heath Ledger's Joker, he does it the same reason why a dog licks his you-know-what. Impulse. And, you know, that, that quote from the now-retired Michael Caine, we just should take this second to congratulate him on a wonderful career. Yeah, seriously. Like, not many people can say, I'm not many people in that field can just say, I'm retired. Like, they're usually working until they die. <laughs> so, so congratulations, Michael Caine, on a wonderful career. Great body yes. of work. At 90 years old. And he closed it out with a great performance. So, but I love you know that scene when he goes when he says what you just said, Justin. Some people just want to watch the world burn, and that's him. Although and I'll say he's a lit. I think he plans it a little more than we give it credit for because I'm sorry. Every you can't say that all of that was unplanned from the beginning mm. it was a little too everything falling into place for it to be unplanned for it to be impulsive he knew exactly how to do this but you know what it also shows this once you think about it in the dark night the joker won yes he did once you think about it he won mm-hmm because think of it this way. He he killed Rachel Dawes. He basically corrupted Gotham's white knight, Harvey Dent. Yeah. He basically, the Joker won. And Batman went on the lamb. And he made him break it. Because you know what? The thing is, there's psychological things in Heath Ledger's Joker, too. When he says, you're going to go and, you know what? You're going to have to choose. And you know what? Are you willing to break your one rule? And then Batman's like, I'm considering it. Which is his one rule, which is he doesn't kill people. Yeah. But when you look at Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, Justin, since you have the Joker too, um, I want to get your thoughts here. Throughout the movie, I think he's kind of more, you're kind of, as a viewer, you're kind of more sympathetic to him. Oh no, Justin, what happened? We lost him. But yeah, we can see that. Isn't it throughout the movie he's trying to find out who his real father is? And during that time, he becomes more and more senile. Something like and that, people, yeah. Where he becomes, what is it? An anti-hero? No, in this, I think he's more of an anti-villain. Anti-villain. Because um, I think throughout the movie, at first, you, could, you're kind, you kind of sympathize with him. Yeah. Once he, once he makes the first revenge kill, 
because with the three bankers, the first two were in self-defense. That third one was a revenge kill. Mm. Um, I just want to say something really quick as well. I just, I, for those of you who don't, just quick side note. For those of you who don't know, we do the we do the show live every uh, Wednesday night. We're doing it live on Tuesday night. The chat board has been off the charts, incredible tonight. I just want to say. Thank you to Matt Hemsley for bringing something up. He said, "I did." He said, "I think the different variations of Joker should be considered separately. Both Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson would be would be on my best villains list, but Ledger's would be higher." Okay. Well, first of all, we want to give a shout out to Doctor Matt Hemsley. Yes, our dear friend is watching. Of course, thank you so much for watching and listening. Matt, Matt, thank you so much for watching tonight. I think that is a that is a very good point. But uh, what I would say about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, yeah, y- you know what quote describes him perfectly? The quote from The Killing Joke, which is, it takes one bad day for the sanest man to go crazy. Mm. Yep. And I think that describes, describes Joaquin Phoenix as perfect. Right there. There is one big difference between Batman and the Joker. Both characters see life as one big, cruel, mean joke. But where the Joker laughed when he realized that, Batman didn't find it funny at all. Mm. That's also a line from The Killing Joke. What? Don't. Because Joker asks Batman, why aren't you laughing? And his response, because I heard it before. And it wasn't funny the first time. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. And you know what? Since we just brought up Matt Hemsley, I read his chat. Dr. Hemsley, I am issuing a challenge to you. Give us your list by the end of this episode. Please please do. In the words of Mission Impossible, your mission, say it with me, folks. Should you choose choose to accept accept it? Give us your top five by the end of the show. I'm very curious to see what's in there. Hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, but you know what's so great about how there's many different iterations of the Joker? It's what? like some people prefer the more car- if you prefer the more cartoony bad guy, you have Jack Nicholson. Or Cesar Romero if you really prefer something even campier. If you prefer the more realistic, more realistic, grounded version, you have Heath Ledger. Well, hey, I would put Joaquin Phoenix in there too, wouldn't you say? Yep. So and who knows? Mary Barry Co- Ke- Keegan will be on the list one day too. That's what's so good about this is there's something for everyone. 
No matter what you prefer, there's something for everyone. Oh, Hemsley said challenge accepted. Okay. Here we All go. Right. All right. I yield. Justin, you have anything else to say about the Joker? Um, that's pretty much all I have to say. Okay. So me. Allie, you're number three. You know, we talk a lot about movies and stuff. We never talk about more television. More specifically animated. So I'm gonna do my I have two animated picks. My first one is a little boy in South Park. Eric Cartman. We were oh, only no, he's just a child. We'll allow it. What? We were only doing movies, but oh. I didn't know. I didn't know what you guys are saying. Um we'll allow it. Oh, I think we can it or you could do uh Miss Broflowski from Bigger Longer Uncut. No, we could do that. No, I'll let you do Cartman. You know what? Let's just let her do Cartman. I didn't know. Like I thought it was top five villains. I was movie villains too. Yeah, but yeah, we'll let, it was, let it go. We'll allow it though. Look, I didn't realize it. I didn't know I was coming on till like about twenty minutes ago. It's okay. It's we'll allow it. We'll we'll let you. We'll give you a free pass. But let's put it this way: I will also mention Mrs. Brofloski for blaming Canada. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. Which means I have to think of two more right off the top of the spot. I don't know. Now I gotta think. Of one. No, Carmen is. Once you think about it, he is a villain. He is. Oh yeah. I mean, he's a racist. Mm. Let's put in those words. He's anti-Semitic. That's a huge trigger. I hate saying that. He makes Sorry. fun of poor people. He pretty much makes fun of anybody. Yeah, he's an equal opportunity hater. He was Although actually based it, off of Archie Bunker. Oh. In all the family. No, no I know that. But, you know, I think the difference is Archie Bunker is sort of like your grandfather who says things that are just out of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's Wait, sort of it, how Cartman started. It wasn't until a few seasons in where he really got to the irredeemable levels that he got. Archie Bunker's like your grandfather who says things when you're just like baseball like grandpa, why? Yeah. While Cartman is like that that person you know who's your age who you just want to just tell them to shut the F up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. Right. And I feel like there's more villains. I gotta think of if there's another movie villain. I mean, there's probably a couple more out there. I mean, all I know is there are definitely a lot of parodies for South Park of villains. Yeah. I have a, I have a two more. If you guys are, are we on two now or no? Yeah. Okay. We are on two. All right. Let's get to it then. Uh, well, I I had the Joker, but I thought about it more and more because since you guys really just went to town on the Joker, I was like, you know, that's. Let Justin and Bill do their thing, you know, and Allie too. Um, this might see. I'm gonna go the route 
Oh no! Well, all right. I have three left, but I'm top. But I have two tied for number two. Okay. Okay. All right. If that's okay, I'm gonna break the rules just a little bit. It's my show. I can do what I want. <laughs> um. All right. So at number two, I literally couldn't decide this at all until like like about five minutes ago. Um. Number two, I have the first one I want to start with is an uh, is actually a, an, a ca- comic book villain that has been excellent on screen in every iteration that we've seen, whether it be by Ian McKellen or by oh, Michael Fassbender. And we're talking about Magneto from the X-Men films. There is so much freaking complexity with this character, and there's so much back history to him. It is... It, 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 to our listeners out there who don't even know what we're talking about, literally just go and read X-Men comic books with Magneto and watch the watch the iteration that Michael Fassbender and Ian McKellen play in X-Men Days of Future Past. That character is so freaking complex and so devastatingly evil at the same time, but so good. He is so much like, it's insane. Uh, I, I had to touch on him while I, while I had the chance because he is an incredible complex character. You want yes. to dive? In, you want to dive into the history of, of Marvel comic book villains? Magneto is one of them. So it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I had to touch on this character. Wasn't he based off of Malcolm X? Uh, I don't know. A little bit. Toward later iterations, I believe are. Yeah, but I like but early the- iterations, no, no. Or, but if we're talking about movies, specifically the movies, uh, X Men: Days of Future Past, I think I think I think Days of Future Past had like a, a, the be, the best iteration of both the older Magneto and the younger Magneto together. I think that was a really smart thing they did. Yeah, I, lo- I I saw that movie in theaters five times. Oh wow! I love this movie to death. It was so good. Um. And the it was just so flawlessly done, but the fact that we got Ian McKellen back as the role, and we got Michael Fassbender playing that character, it was unbelievable. And listen, if you want to dive into the comic book side of things, yes, I mean we're talking about movie villains, but it's a complicator in a movie setting. The complexity of Magneto is unbelievable. If you want to go back, just do a little, do your do your homework a little bit, and do some research on him. It's crazy. There's a lot of really, really, really unique history for him um, as a character. So I feel like his best character work was done in X Men First Class. Um, yeah, it's fair. I think that's where you really got to get into the meat of what is driving Magneto as a character. Um, and how powerful he can be. Actually, well, no, pretty- Days of Future Past demonstrated how powerful he can be. And X-Men uh, Last Stand demonstrated as well. I mean, he freaking lifts up the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, but I will say, though, in first class, what they did was they took a Magneto origin script and they combined it with the X-Men first class storyline. Yes, and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, it was a really good take, yeah. And one of my favorite lines in comic book movie history came from first class. I was at the mercy of men who were just following orders. 
never again. Yeah, that's very extremely menacing. And I love them. Uh, the X-Men series in general has been incredible. So for the most part, you know, um, but I, I don't want to spend too much time on him because I do. Have, I do have a tie for number two, but um, this is Magneto. One of the best on-screen comic book character villains we ever, in my opinion, we've ever had played by both Michael Fassbender and Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen first, though, of course. So there's that. Um, Anyways, I digress. My other pick, it's my surprise to some of you, either one of you, because it, it, he first made his appearance on television in this property. Hmm. But he was later cast, same actor, same everything, just in a movie setting. What am I talking about? And quite honestly, one of the most nemesing. No, that's not a word. One of the most menacing. I said menacing. Sorry. One of the most menacing lines I've ever heard. That's just one line and one word. Con. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Listen, Star Trek Two, the wrath of Khan, baby. You do not get any more menacing than Ricardo Montalban dressed up like a crazy freaking alien as Khan. I saw this movie in theaters on its re-release. Hmm. All right. Last year. It was incredible. Just seeing it back on the big screen in general was awesome. But actually to see this go. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you have the opportunity to see a Fathom event re-release of certain films and theaters, do it. You get a different experience when you're in the theater watching some of these. You do. You really do. It's true. Sure you do. I've never really been a big Star Trek guy, so. No, no. I I, I know you're not. What I'm saying is, though, if you go back and you look at if if, if they ever re-release the theatrical run of Star Wars, like episodes four, five, and six in theaters, just hey, we're gonna re-release them to show the world the original cuts or whatever. That's, that's never it, happening. It's never happening, but it, you know, one of us can dream. One of us can have some wet dreams at some point. Mm. But anyways, some nerd wet dreams. What's that? Some nerd wet dream. Yeah, nerd nerdgasms right there. <laughs> but I mean, but if they ever did, if they were, if they ever re-released Star Wars in theaters, it might be worthwhile to Star see. What, they were gonna do it before Disney bought Lucasfilm. They were doing it. They were gonna release Phantom Menace, then Attack of the Clones, then then Disney. We ain't Ball talking about Jar Jar and the Phantom Menace, okay? No, 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 we're not. We're not. We're not. Don't worry. What I'm saying is, well, they already did the re-release of Phantom Menace when they did the. 3D re-release. That's what I mean. And then, then they we're gonna do the other, you know what? The other five. Speaking of Star Wars, can we go to my option? Uh, can I just finish up really quick and then we'll it, go it's gonna be my number two, probably. So and my number two. Oh god, here we go. Um, uh, anyways, and probably JT's number one. <laughs> we're all just oh my go. god, it's a foursome. It's a- <laughs> oh my god, Bill. Don't say it like hey. that. Bill, that's Bill, 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 Bill. Oh my God! Anyways, talks with you later, Bill. Long story short, though. Long story short, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. If you, if you, I said this before. I said it. If you can see a movie in theaters, like we saw ET back in theaters, my sister and I, we saw ET in theaters last year too. Phenomenal. This there was just so much better in theaters. So, anyways, but Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Khan is. 
was so menacing on screen. So incredible to see him back on the big screen and just so enjoyable on so many different levels. I love this character so much. How much more iconic can you get than Khan? We'll see about that in a second. But one, that's my number two. The Magneto and Khan are tied right there. Anyways, Justin, let's go. So I think everyone here knows what my number two is. And mm-hmm. I think everyone here is surprised that it's not number one. It's Vigo Mortensen from Lord of the Rings. No, I'm just kidding. Kidding. That was the twist all along. He was starring the whole time. Now. Yeah, it's Darth Vader. Now, some of you might be crying foul saying that this guy should have been a number one. Well, I could think of one character that I think deserves the top spot a little more. And that's me, too. We'll get to it when we get to it. Okay. (laughs) This is the textbook movie villain. If you look up movie villain in the dictionary, you're going to get a picture of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sorry, Kylo Ren. From the instant he walks on screen, your attention is on him. With the, the booming voice of Dave James Earl Jones with the powering presence of David Prowse. You just have one mean, lean Sith machine. And he's He's a bad dude in the in uh, New Hope. He is ruthless in Empire Strikes Back, killing his own crewmates for this for failing him. I think he killed at least three of his henchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, alt, con- constantly altering the deal with uh, Lando Calrissian. because he's just that much of a dick and nearly killing Luke Skywalker even though he is his son dun 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 because we see you know the famous you killed my father no No. I I am am your father no such your feelings you know it'd be true join me and together we will defeat the emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son I and tell my girlfriend the, I tell my girlfriend that here's I was the thing like if it was just Star Wars New Hope he wouldn't be all that interesting he was just a cool villain um, he used to be a Jedi and then, actually, no, he, 
wasn't revealed that he used to be a Jedi. It was revealed that... No, wait. Yeah, he was a Jedi that betrayed the father. And that's all we knew about him. It wasn't until Empire comes that you get that little bit of information adding so much complexity and you're just looking at everything that Vader did in the previous installments is like in a whole new light. It's just and then you have to and then you go into Jedi with this knowledge knowing that there is probably conflict in this villain that there is humanity still but the best display is arguably in Rogue One where you just see him in absolute beast mode oh when he kills all those people oh my god I I said it once I'll say it a thousand times more in the original trilogy you saw Darth Vader the villain in Rogue One you see Darth Vader the force of nature he in that two minutes scarier than most horror movie villains where all you see where all you hear is his breathing apparatus and all you see is his lightsaber ignite oh I want that as a poster on my wall signed by James Earl Jones mind you (laughs) And you know what? Say what you will about Kenobi. As a whole, probably not that grave a show. But that scene between him and Hayden Christensen where Vader's mask is cracked open. Oh. And you see Anakin is virtually gone and it's all Vader and he just says I'm not your failure Obi-Wan you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker I did or that scene I forget if it was an empire or return of the Jedi when Luke when Luke has that dream where he cuts off Vader's head and he sees his face in Vader's mask that was empire cuz that really shows you he can really get into people's heads too and make him and yeah. know, is he going to become him the darkness is in him but the dark side is in him. Yeah. But I want to ask you, Justin, would you think the prequels make Vader maybe a little more sympathetic? Here's what I think, Bill. 
Episodes one and two should never have happened. Agreed. And episode three should have been seriously reworked. But I think episode three kind of does make him a little more sympathetic, though. Like, you understand why, because they have that vision of his wife going into labor and dying. And saying, like, go get him with Palpatine, getting buddy, but it will save his wife's life. So you can kind of understand that. But, you know, I'm going to give my thoughts here. Like, just those, just when you hear that theme, dun, 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 you know who's coming on screen. You know who's coming on screen. Yeah. Here's what I think should have happened. They should have... Clone Wars is probably the best thing... Best piece of prequel um, story that you can get your hands on. Um, Because you really get to see Anakin as a hero... But Anakin's gradual turn. It's a lot more gradual and it shows you more than the basis in the movies of him killing younglings. Um, I think there was an episode where he actually does become essentially Vader for a few minutes. And then his memory is wiped of the of the incident, more to show us that the darkness is there already. Allie, you had him as your number two. Anything you'd like to say? I didn't have again. Oh. I didn't have a number two pick. Number this is in no order because this is all the last second. I mean, okay gotta say is a bit memorable in a way like you definitely feel sorry for him for losing his wife but then again he also dealt with it's like what is it i'm trying to explain it he joined the dark side he signed his soul it was a deal with the devil Mm -hmm. and eventually the outside just became as ugly as the inside Yep. Did you have anything to say, JT? This is my number one. So you guys are saying all of it for me. Oh, we want you to say what you have to say on that. I mean, like, it's just there's so much complexity to him. Uh, He's a character. I mean, mean, Justin kind of, I forget exactly how he worded it, but he worded it perfectly. Um, I worded it as word soup. As a lot of what I say is. No, no, no. You you said something when we first started talking about him. You were like. Um, Lean, mean, Sith machine. No, no, no. You said something about him like coming into like the moment you see him in like in in, in a new hope. You see him in he the first one. He has a commanding presence. Right, right. But you, you see. Uh, hold on one sec. You said he has a commanding presence in the first one. And, he, and then but the second one, the Empire Strikes Back. You see more of him as a as a as a very menacing figure, a very dark figure, a very a killing machine almost. So because look, yeah. you know, that 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 jump from that first film to that second film, 
is one of the best probably progressions of a character we've ever seen on screen, regardless of character or whatever actor it is, you know. New Hope is Vader on a leash. Mm. Yes, exactly. Empire is him off the leash. Thank you. That's so much Jedi. Now what is Jedi? Oh, he is on full leash. Mm. He he is um, Palpatine's bitch in that one. Yeah, pretty um, much. He's like, it's probably like Vader. Oh, come on, Palpatine. I've just made, I have just cemented myself as the most badass villain in movie history. Leave me alone. But yeah, I mean, this is my number one, hands down. There's no question about it. But I mean, this is just like iconic to a T. I mean, how much, I mean, you, kids today know who Darth Vader is because. Of how like, they, they like they, they they don't they wouldn't know like Biff, they wouldn't know like you know Hannibal Lecter they but they would know Darth Vader you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so that, that, I, I mean everything you guys just said and what I said too kind of hit it on the nail on the head there with uh, Darth Vader so okay so I'm gonna do my number one quickly because I probably gotta head out soon yeah do what you gotta do well again in no particular order. I just thought of this one like about maybe uh, two minutes ago. Okay. So, what do you I got? Mean, mentioned a lot about. I mean, how do I explain it? I mean, I shouldn't say his name three times, though, should I? Oh God. Beetlejuice. 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 <laughs> That's four. Oh, times. Shit, what happens when you say it four times? It's so time. You have no idea. I'm also so glad that they're having a sequel come out. Yeah, so, whatever, right? Probably no, in 2025 no. after the strike and stuff. Probably. Yeah. But pretty much, you know what he is. He's like a little devilish thing. Who's dressed he as is a. Human exorcist? Yeah. Living exorcist? Something exorcist. Pretty much. And this whole ordeal, pretty much scaring people to death. And pedophilia, in a way. Because he was supposed, he wanted to marry Lydia. Yeah. And Lydia was how old? 13. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, in Japan, it would be okay. Justin. Oh, my God. Look it up. Yeah, now I got you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, I mean, you got to think of it this way. He's a title. He's he's the main guy. He's be, He's doing the whole being dead thing. Oh, being that thing. I get eaten by a sandworm in the movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and oh, this is Michael Keaton being a villain too. Yeah. I wonder how he's gonna do in the sequel. Yeah, I wonder too. I mean, yeah. Energy enough to be Batman, so <laughs> it's true. Is Michael Keaton just in the unreprised in my old roles phase? I guess so. 
sort of maybe his midlife crisis. He needs to relive his glory days. They do. They do. So now, now the weirdest thing, because I know, um, who is it? The girl who plays Wednesday, Jenna Ortega, is going to be playing Winona Ryder, Lydia's daughter. Yeah. Even creepier? You don't think he's going to try to take his daughter? Lydia's daughter? Oh, boy. But you know what? I want to ask you guys something. Do you think Beetlejuice is really a villain? Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Anything else? Or that was Allie's number one. I said my number one. I didn't have an again. It's just my final pick. Okay. All right. Yeah, just, well, there's one thing I want to say regarding Beetlejuice real quick. One thing. What do you got, Bill? Shake, 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 Sinara. Shake your body tonight. Work, 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 Sinara. Work, you told me time. All right. Justin, your number one pick. My number one pick. So, for my number one pick, I thought of the most evil, the most vile, the most repulsive villain I could think of. Yeah. And sometimes those type of villains are rooted in something very, very real. My pick for number one is Colonel Hans Landa. What was it again? Bastards. Oh, very interesting pick. How do you spell that? Colonel Hans, H-A-N-S, Landa, L-A-N-D-A. Portrayed by... The great Christoph Waltz. Hans Landa was an SS officer in um, in the movie. Um, he is not a real person. I want to make this very clear. However, he is he was a part of a very real very evil regime, the Nazi party. Um, he was known as the Jew Hunter. He was manipulative, controlling, um, always thinking five steps ahead of everyone else, conniving, smarmy, charming at times and his charm just adds to the scariness of him because he's just he gets onto your skin and he gets you into a sense of comfort and then he pokes and prods for any sort of weakness that he can exploit to in order to advance his agenda and his agenda um, is the agenda of the Nazi party, which is the 
final solution, which is the extermination of all the Jews. But in addition to this, Hans Landa is also an opportunist. Because when he sees the opportunity of getting out of the war completely unscathed, he hops on it in the instant, betraying all of Germany and authoring a deal to end the war just so he can retire in a quiet life on Nantucket and be hailed a hero when in reality he is one of the most despicable Nazis portrayed in the film. I once told Bill where Hitchcock builds suspense through silence, Tarantino builds suspense in small talk, and it's on full display in the first sequence of the movie where um, Colonel Landa uh, visits a dairy farmer in Nazi-occupied France, and for the first five minutes, he's they're just talking about milk. And then they switch to English. And then they talk why he's really there. Because he knows that the that the Jews underneath the floorboard don't speak English. And that, that it's a lang- it's a tongue that they can speak and have privacy with. And it's the screenplay is so smart and so clever. And he, he makes Colonel Landa one of those villains that you can't wait to see get his comeuppance. And when it seems like he's going to come out unscathed, you are seething in anger. But then the last scene happens. And, and he gets you, his comeuppance. And he finally gets said comeuppance. And you're like, fuck you, you Nazi piece of shit. That felt good. Justin, first I have to say, I think this is a very unique choice. And That felt um, very good. You feel good now? Uh, I feel very good. May I ask this? Why did you pick this over Darth Vader? Because Hans Landa, I feel like, is a a scarier evil, a more real evil, and a more timely evil. You know, I kind of feel the same way why I put Bill the Butcher on there from Gangs of New York, though he's not a Nazi. But a lot of his evil is rooted in racism, xenophobia, 
you know, of how he treats Irish immigrants. Of that scene I was telling JT when you weren't here, when he says to Boss Tweed in that scene, when he says, if only I had the guns, Mr. Tweed, I'd blow them off the moment they got off the boat. Or, or you know. Yeah. Or when he said, I don't see people here, I see trespassers. Like, you know, that's because I think when you have real life evils, like racism, homophobia, xenophobia, it makes yeah. you scarier than any fictional villain. True. Yeah. And I think that's what makes people like Colonel Landa or Bill the Butcher scary and because those type of people existed. And continue to exist. Bill the Butcher was actually based off of a real person. So I, I applaud this pick. I think it was very interesting because it shows that people like that still exist and they're real. Yeah. But can we just say, Christoph Waltz played him brilliantly. Very much so. Yeah. Okay, are we ready for my number one pick? Shoot. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going a little predictable here. You know... I had a not, I had his liver with a side of fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hannibal Lecter. I've only seen parts of the movie, but you gotta say Hannibal Lecter is the face of pure evil. And Hannibal's a cannibal. You know, he he is a cannibal. But you know what's like so interesting? His concept of the mo- in the movie is he's supposed to be helping Clarice. Yeah. Because it's like, who's better? Because they're trying to find Buffalo Bill. Who's better than getting into the mind of a killer than guess what? And a killer. And that's what I find this all very interesting. And just the minute he comes on screen with the brilliant performance of Anthony Hopkins. Hello, Clarice. He demands your presence. You know what I mean, Justin? Very much so. He, he demands. He's another one of those characters that can be, that can just draw your attention. Do the, Justin, I have to ask you, do the lambs stop screaming? I do wish we could chat longer. But I'm having a friend. And that's what's it's not just the actions he does, it's just the way he's there, the way he talks, the way he interacts with people. Mm -hmm. It is so menacing. Like the moment he starts talking, chills are running down your spine, you know. Mm-hmm. And you wish he was no longer on screen. Like the minute he's no longer on screen, you actually feel better. But you know he's going to come back on screen. So, well, get- he, well, it's pick your poison. Do you want Hannibal Lecter or Buffalo Bill? Who would you pick? Well, if he's behind the glass, Hannibal Lecter. 
And I think that's why, because again, he get he knows how to get into Buffalo Bill's mind. And it has been parodied so many times in pop culture. Yeah. But yeah, I think Hannibal Lecter is the scariest, is one of the scariest people on screen. Yeah. And you're just begging him, begging for a scene for him to. Okay, just 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 go, just go, just go. We're done. We're done. We're done. But then you got to watch Buffalo Bill kill people. So, yeah, yeah. So that is why my number one villain is Hannibal Lecter. All right. All um, right. So I think that's it. Um, that will do it for us. Before we just wrap it up, I just want to say thank you to all of us, and all you guys in the chat board, for helping um, us out. By the way, chat board. Did Mister Hemsley ever? He has his top he five. Yeah, right I'm going to so read them off to you. We're going to breeze. I'm going to breeze through it if you don't mind. Go, Go ahead, right ahead. Number five, Jack Nicholson's Joker. From Batman 89. Love it. Number four, Killmonger from Black Panther. Okay. Number three, here's an interesting one. Jordan Fletcher from Whiplash. Okay, yeah. He was a piece of shit. Number two, Heath Ledger's Joker from The Dark Knight. And number one, I thought this was a very interesting choice. Jordan Belfort for it from The Wolf of Wall Street. Justin? That's interesting. That's an interesting pick, yeah. Well, I can kind of see it because, again, like what we were saying with Wanda and Butcher, those type of people exist. Yeah, and they, yes, have, they, they have the charisma for people to buy the okie doke. And people, and in real life, people lost a lot of money to Jordan Balfour. Yep. So I can, I think that was a very interesting pick because a lot of those type of people exist. So, okay, I think we went on longer than we thought. So I think we should just wrap it up. All good. All good. Yeah. Um, um, yeah anything else, guys? Any last minute comments before we wrap it up? No, nope. yeah, I think we're good. All righty. Well, listen, everyone, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. However, you enjoyed us tonight. Uh, oh, I want to thank the two. And Ali was Ali had to dip early, so we want to thank Ali, of course, for joining as always, for being a supportive, creative force here at the Superview Show. And I want to thank Justin as always for tuning in and helping us out. And Bill, my right hand man, just give me give me some assistance as well as always. Thank you for doing this on a Tuesday night, gentlemen. Hey, no problem. And, and a tomorrow always night. Pleasure. What's that, Justin? Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Um, Yes, Bill, go ahead. Also, I just want to say two things. Um, next week is going to be our grand finale for Mixed Bag of Horrors. Yes, next week is the last week for October for our Mixed Bag of Horrors. And we'll also be having a, a guest 
on that one. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And also, if you wanted to know about, like, don't swipe right after talking, we just don't think don't swipe right would have fitted into the theme of this month. So, yeah, we're going to push that off to next month. We're going to push off don't swipe right 80s to next month. Which I am still coming after you, Bill. Oh, you're coming after me for my time? You like lightning. You won't even see me coming. Can't wait to see that. Okay, JT, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Um, yeah, but listen, it, it's always a pleasure doing this show. I love doing the show no matter what. And uh, I want to thank the two gentlemen and Allie, of course, for helping me out as always. Um, but if you like what you've seen here, subscribe to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We do this on every Wednesday night, typically in the evening. EST, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, yeah, but uh, thank you for the chat board as well. You guys are interacting pretty, pretty, uh, really intensely in there. So appreciate it a lot. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah we'll, Dr. Hemsley for that. Yeah. Th- thank you to our good friend Hemsley for, Matt Hemsley for joining in, of course. Um, but yeah, that's going to do for us. Thanks so much for following us on our social media accounts as well. And Bill, you have a podcast. It's Check out Sports Iron. Insanity Podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Yes, they're available on all platforms. They do a great job over there on their YouTube channel and on podcast form as well. So, so, so check them out as well. at simply have the Sports Insanity Network. Um, but yeah, that's going to do for us, guys. Thanks so much for watching, listening, however you enjoyed us. So all of us here at the Super Show, stay safe.